Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 14 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is What Every Compliance Officer Needs to Know About Data Privacy and the European Union's GDPR. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. In today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Lauren Connell, Managing Associate at the Volkoff Law Group. Lauren is going to speak today about data privacy issues and compliance programs. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling us uh, about your background? Yep. And thank you again, Mike, for having me on the show. Uh, Data privacy is a fascinating topic that I enjoy talking about. And as you said, my name is Lauren Connell, and I am the managing associate here at the Volkoff Law Group. Now, most of my work involves legal, ethics, and compliance services that touch on a variety of issues, and those include anti-bribery, anti-corruption, export compliance, antitrust, anti-money laundering, data privacy, and other related issues. And data privacy is an area that has gained more attention lately, and I've enjoyed tackling this new issue. Well, I mean, we've all been reading about the significant data breaches like Equifax, and the growing focus sort of on data privacy issues, whether it's consumer data or healthcare data. And we sort of have this dichotomy, I think, between uh, sort of US-based regulation and international regulation, and that's what we're here to talk about. But how do uh, data privacy concerns apply, let's say, to US-based companies And what can compliance officers do to ensure that the issue is appropriately addressed from the U.S. perspective? Yeah, so in in general in the U.S., there is no overarching federal law or, you know, broad regulations that apply. Now, there are some specific laws in areas such as healthcare, um, consumer finance, or where companies market to children. And the Federal Trade Commission has also reached into this area claiming that unfair and deceptive trade practices include things like promising data privacy that you don't actually deliver on. And so then to complicate things even further, states have all passed their own data privacy laws, and a lot of them don't match up. And we've seen Congress considering legislation in this area, but they've never been able to pass anything meaningful. So as a result, like you said, companies are facing a patchwork of different regulations, and that poses its own challenges. And one of the, uh, Lauren, one of the real big issues that we've been reading about is the new European law. It's called the General Data Privacy Regulation, or GDPR. First off, can you, you know, describe generally the GDPR and the, and the requirements? Yeah, so everyone is talking about it now because the implementation date is coming up this May. And so now we're less than six months away. And unlike the approach that, you know, I just talked about in the U.S., the EU has adopted a much more comprehensive approach, and that's going to apply to EU companies, as you would expect, and also non-EU-based companies who happen to process or control the personal data of EU citizens. That's going to be the key definition, and that applies no matter where that company is located. 
And so what we're looking at is the privacy of EU citizens is really part of EU law. There are going to be rules for how information must be protected and the steps a business has to take to protect that information. And, you know, one of the reasons everybody's talking about it is because they've also created pretty severe penalties for, for failing to take those steps. I guess to me, the interesting part of the EU's approach is how it differs from the U.S. You know, in many areas, we see antitrust, anti-corruption, AML sanctions. We see pretty close alignment between the U.S. and EU legal regimes. But in this case, the EU is the an aggressive enforcer of data privacy. And we've got the U.S. kind of taking a back seat on this issue. So let me uh, ask you uh, one question uh, just to back up and clarify something. So if I'm a U.S. company or a non-EU-based company, but I have UE employees or UE customer, EU customers or EU employees, that's the situation where the GDPR may apply to my activities? Yeah, you're, you're asking the question that a lot of American companies are asking right now. You know, does this apply to me? And what you have to look at is if you collect what's called personal data about an EU citizen, and in that case, the GDPR is going to apply. doesn't matter where you're located, even if you really only consider yourself as doing you know, most of your business in the U.S. And so you, what you have to look at is you know, per, the definition of personal data, and that's information about a living biological and actual email addresses, bank info, I, you know, I could go on. And it's extremely broad, basically, anything that can be used to identify an EU citizen. And so if you're a company that conducts business with an EU citizen, you probably collect at least some personal information, you know, even if it's just mailing addresses and credit card information. So, the, you know, your first step here is going to be looking at what information you do collect. So it's when we talk about first steps, it's you have to look at your operations, where your employees are, or you know, manufacturers, manufacturing operations, let's say, your customer base. And then you if you find out that you are actually collecting personal data from EU citizens, then what happens? Yeah, so that's that's the big question. And and in that case, you're gonna be subject to the GDPR and it imposes a, a range of requirements. They're all intended to protect EU citizens' rights and in their ownership of their own data. And so that requires companies to, you know, very consciously store and manage that data to protect the integrity of it. So specifically, what what kind of requirements are we talking about, Lauren? So for this is going to apply for what's called data protection systems. And this is at the heart of the GDPR and really data security efforts in general. You have to be able to show that you've taken steps to take data security seriously. And that includes things like policies and procedures that are going to be in place to manage and protect your data. In the past, you know, many companies left data security to their technology departments and just kind of assumed that it was fine. But that's not going to cut it anymore. Now you have to build it in as part of your compliance and governance structure. I mean, in some places, in some cases, the GDPR even requires the appointment of a senior executive, a board level, actually, position that's called the data protection officer. And that 
person's responsibilities are similar to a position that we you may have heard about already, or some companies already have, the chief information security officer, or what's been come commonly known as the CISO. And that could also apply to uh, you know the position we have in the United States, which a lot of people uh, we're seeing more often now are chief privacy officers. Um, yep. And that may be comparable to the data protection officer, right? Yeah, so all three of those positions have similar responsibilities, and in some cases, depending on you know the size and what type of operations a company has, you might be able to have one person that kind of covers all three, or you might need to have three separate individuals tackling more specific areas. Does the uh, does the new GDPR regime address uh, consent as a compliance mechanism? Because I know a lot of uh, sort of U.S. companies deal with this by uh, relying on consent. So that yeah, that's one area that people are looking at closely and have been talking about. And in this context, consent for the GDPR has to be quote unquote active. So that it has means it has to be freely given, specific, informed, and unambiguous. And we've seen this debate before, which is probably why people are talking about it in the technology arena in relation to opt-in versus opt-out. And here it has to be opt-in. That means you have to, you know, affirmatively get consent. It can't be implied. And the GDPR actually uh, may require you to show how and when you got that consent. Um, What about um, duties to notify EU citizens of a breach of their data? Yeah, that's another area that, again, we've looked at in the U.S. before and and is part of most state data privacy laws. And here, even the smallest breach, you have to report it within 72 hours. So just for context, that means if it's happening on a Friday morning, you've got to send out that notification by Monday morning. And in relation to this, we should, I should also mention the you know, right to be forgotten rule, which is an outgrowth of earlier litigation that we've seen in the EU that allows the right to be forgotten as a fundamental right. And so that means that the consent that we just talked about, you can take that back. And in that case, you as a company may be required to go back and delete information to actually remove it from your system so it's not there anymore. In a lot of other uh, contexts, Lauren, we also really, you know, spend a lot of time worrying about third parties, agents, distributors, vendors, suppliers, and potential liability in other sort of legal areas. Does that also apply? Uh, do we have to be concerned in the data privacy and GDPR area with regard to our third parties? Yes, you absolutely do. And if you're sending them any personal information, that's that's when you need to look closer. The new GDPR requires that you pass along these data privacy requirements to your third parties. Similar to what we see in other compliance contexts, um, you, you know, you, you're, you can't just kind of take a pass and, and say that you're putting all responsibility on your third parties. You're going to actually have to review your vendors and any agreements you have with them to make sure that they're going to be required to abide by your data security requirements. And you might also find that in some cases, you don't really need to pass along all or you know even some of this personal information that you may have been giving to a third party. But where you do have to, 
you have to make sure that they're going to uphold your standards. So I can imagine what the answer to this question is going to be, but if uh, I'm a company and I decide to ignore all of this, um, what's, what's sort of the worst case scenarios for me? Yeah, so that's what has everybody worried. The GDPR provides for new and very severe penalties. The penalties are going to reflect how exactly severe the violation is or, or what you know, the enforcement authorities view it as. And it's going to escalate as companies show increasing failures in their, their data security regimes. Now, the fines can reach up to 4% of annual worldwide revenue. And that's really what everyone is scared of and why everyone's talking about it. Now, we don't know how aggressive enforcement is going to be, of course, but just having that size of potential fines, that's what everybody's worried about. And how, how are these penalties enforced? I mean, who's going to be enforcing it in the uh, European Union? So each member state will appoint a what's called a supervising authority, and that's going to be a government department or agency, and that, that, that entity is going to enforce the law. And they're going to have broad powers to investigate and enforce. You know, that includes auditing, issuing warnings, imposing limits, on company operations related to data processing, and of course, you know, as I just mentioned, fines. So now let's take a step back and and think about this from, you know, most of our clients are compliance uh, departments or compliance officers, and how does this fit in then to what compliance officers have to do and, and what responsibilities do they have to, to take? Yeah, so this is where the rubber meets the road, really. And the first step, of course, is, is you're going to have to take time to consciously evaluate your data security and information collection practices. That's what you're going to have to start in the beginning just to see if you're subject to the GDPR and what you might need to do. Now, I think what has a lot of people worried is the technology aspect here, but you really don't have to be a technology expert to address these issues and the risks that they're going to pose to your company. Uh, for example, the compliance department might implement or, uh, you know, has implemented policies that require a finance department to provide an independent review and approval, for example, of expenses or purchase orders. But that doesn't mean the compliance department itself are accountants. Instead, what what's important here is that the compliance department understands the type of requirements, the risks and most importantly, the questions that your organization needs to be asking and, of course, answering about data security and also in relation to that compliance with the GDPR. So this is going to be another area of responsibility. That's what I can see. And it's going to require then policies, procedures, training, all the same types of activities that compliance officers typically do for any sort of set of legal requirements. That's wouldn't you say that's what we're what we're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the compliance department is is going to have to ask the same type of questions that that they typically do when implementing you know protective measures against legal regimes and regulations. So you have to ask, you know, who's going to be responsible for data security at your organization? What types of information does your company collect? What do you actually need to conduct business? How is information stored and deleted? Uh, you also need to look at what types of security, and that includes both physical security and software-based 
that your company has implemented to control access to information. For example, if your, your company probably maintains sensitive personal data about its employees, and some of them may be EU citizens. So you have to ask who can access that data. And if somebody makes a copy of that data, does your organization know that? You know, are there procedures in place that alert someone? So those are the type of questions that you need to be asking, obviously, of, of other people in your organization. And then work closely with your leadership. And, of course, your technology department is going to be critical in this area um, to help you answer these questions. But to, but to operationalize compliance in this area, are other people or other functions going to have to get involved as well? Yeah, it's a good question. And the short answer is yes, absolutely. It's going to go beyond your technology department. Pe- people have been using a phrase here that I think helps kind of it puts into context why the GDPR is going to be a company-wide effort. And that's privacy by design. So that phrase gives you a sense of how large this shift is expected to be. You know, you're going to have to design your products and services from the ground up to address information management and privacy. And that's going to implicate people all over your company, you know, R&D, marketing, finance, sales. And every company should be taking a look at, at these, you know, talking to people in these departments and taking a look at how information is used and is collected in your organization. So how, how does all of this though fit in with other data security and privacy concerns we've discussed? So in some ways, the GDPR is really only one, you know, granted rather large, important part of a much larger storm. Technology used to be something that was reserved for IT department personnel who operated from their only space, their own space. Usually that was filmed with humming equipment, and they often spoke a language that other company departments had trouble understanding. And in many cases, other company employees would interact with the IT department only when something wasn't working, you know, when you had to call the IT helpline, basically. But that's not going to cut it anymore. Today, technology risks go beyond someone not being able to log into their computer or access their email We've seen significant and extremely damaging malware attacks, you know, the theft of valuable trade secrets and other data security breaches that pose extremely high and very real risks for companies. And these have been all over the news, especially over the past six months to a year. And these risks result in significant fines, uh, penalties, and some of these are going to stem in the future from the GDPR, but currently they also stem from drops in shareholder value, the costs of regulatory inquiries, or, of course, derivative litigation that will inevitably follow a data security breach. Okay. Well, Lauren, thank you uh, so much. It's uh, Obviously, I work with you, uh, Volkoff Law Group, but this has been great. I know you've been spending a lot of time on this issue. If somebody wants to, one of our listeners wants to reach out to you, to discuss any of these issues, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so um, my email is available on our website, volkofflaw.com. It's uh, lconnell at volkofflaw.com. And I'm you know, always happy, of course, to jump on the phone uh, and discuss any of these issues. It's, again, it's a really interesting area that's changing quickly, and it's always 
fascinating to hear, you know, a company's specific approach or, or problems that they're encountering. Well, thanks again, Lauren, and I'm sure we'll have you back yeah. on the podcast as we go, uh, as time moves on. We're recording this right before Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving to you. But by the time people hear this, it'll be after Thanksgiving, so we'll at least uh, be dieting by that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, and thank, thank you again for having me. It's a, it's a great topic. Okay, thank you, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies ethical companies' employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.